Hello, people in podcast land. Welcome back. My guest today is Tom Otten, Managing Director at Create Media Group and an ultra-endurance athlete. Everyone experiences negative self-talk and doubt. How you deal with it is what makes the difference, and the choice is yours. Tom has run some of the toughest foot races on earth. On top of that, he's the managing director of one of the quickest growing companies in Dubai and has a brand new marriage which hasn't fallen apart. The fact that you can put all of this together means that he has an awful lot that we can all learn from him. So today, expect to find out what it's like to run for 50 hours without sleep, how to create the perfect company culture, why a victim mindset is the most important thing to overcome, how to lean into your fears to overcome failures, and much more. If you enjoyed the Marcus Smith episode from last week, then this is right up your street. I've absolutely adored recording with both of these guys. I do need to hold my hands up. It's another episode in my buddy Nick's flat, so there's a little bit of audio bounce. Also, someone in the YouTube comments last week identified that the call to prayer coming out of the local mosque could be heard just as Mike Thurston started talking about his sex life. So I'm not 100% certain what is in the background of this episode, but I'm not liable if that happens again. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've worn Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastic fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free, pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap, plus you get your first month for free, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modern wisdom. This episode is brought to you by AG1. AG1 is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Even with the best diet in the world, it is hard to make sure that you get everything that you need. And through a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced nutrients, AG1 delivers comprehensive support for the brain, gut, 
and immune system. This is why Joe Rogan and Lex Friedman and Dr. Andrew Huberman and Tim Ferriss are all massive fans. They have tried every other product out there like I have, and this is by far the best one available. Since 2010, AG1 have improved the formula 52 times in the pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement possible through high quality ingredients and rigorous standards. Also, there's a 90-day money-back guarantee, so you can buy it and try it for 89 days. And if you don't like it, they'll just give you your money back. Head to drinkag1.com slash modernwisdom for that 90-day money-back guarantee, a year's free supply, vitamin D, five free travel packs, and more. That's drinkag1.com slash modernwisdom. But for now, it's time for the wise and wonderful Tom Otten. It completely changes your headspace. I'm a completely different person than what I was when I started the whole ultra conversation. I'm completely different. You know, I look at things differently. I, I approach things differently. I value things differently. Interesting. Like everything, everything changed. Well, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So what has changed? You have done multiple ultra events. What like? And what's, what's the impact been on you? In terms of races, um, the first... Uh, First big, the first big one for me actually went really badly. Um, so myself and Marcus flew across to Wales and we did a 80-kilometer uh, run across the Brecon Beacons. First time I'd done anything like that. Um, it was a little bit last minute in terms of deciding that looks like fun, let's have a crack. Training was terrible for it in terms of when I look back now. Um, and body kind of fell to pieces, head fell to pieces. And it was, it was one of those situations we've all been through like... You have to kind of hit the bottom before you can start to realize where, where, where you want to go. And you look back on that later in life and you realize that's exactly what needed to happen for me to then sort of evolve from there. So that, that didn't go well. Um, like I said... What's not well? No, I just, um, just body broke down, which is fine. I mean, that happens if you haven't trained for something. Then obviously you can't expect to, to get through it very well. Finished it, but like weak head, complaining, uh, just moaning about shit. I'm, I'm done with this. Just like... As I suppose you'd expect somebody that hasn't worked on any form of mental strength or, or, or tried to sort of build that side of themselves up, you, you, you fall to pieces when you get into an environment like that, when you're however many hours we were in. So that was a first experience and it haunted me. It really stuck in my head. I was going to say a lot of people might have just turned back after that. Yeah, well, to be honest, it was one of those situations where I knew, I know myself well enough to know that that was going to sit with me for a long time. And it sat with me for a while and I realized that... Um, I had to do something bigger and I had to do something fairly soon to fix that. And it was, it's gambling, right? You're like, I'm going to go bigger. And if this it's called the sunk cost fallacy, yeah, when well, you're there, in, there it when is. You're it is on a the casino cost floor. Yeah. Exactly right. So <laughs> let's throw more money, good money after bad money. Um, but the th- it's, it's a risk, right? Because you're playing with your own mental space. Then you're like, if this works out, I'm, I'm good again. But if it doesn't work out, I've had two losses here and they're getting bigger. So, you know, it's, just, it's the same as gambling, like good analogy. So the next thing we signed up for was Marathon de Saab, which was 250 kilometers across the Sahara Desert. Uh, I'm not sure if Marcus was chatting about that, that earlier. And um, that was the first big thing. And that was when we were talking about the reborn and the entire change of mindset. I, I sat on a charter flight out of Gatwick into, into Morocco and I was nervous as hell. I, was, I looked around. The only people on the flight were, were those doing the, the, the Marathon de Sun. 
Um, and you, you see guys with like Iron Man tattoos all over them, just like you're just like elite athletes, extreme people. And I'm just sat there thinking, shit, what am I doing on this flight? I'm a guy who complained about racing work. Yeah, last yes. last time, yeah, last time I I, I tried this, I, it just fell to pieces. And I, I literally I sat there and I wrote a, a, a few notes on a piece of paper, and it was they were behavioral goals. It was yes, it was finished. Yes, don't die. Um, but then it was you no. Know, inspire others to finish so um and another one was don't complain once so i was putting myself i was challenging myself to the extent that it wasn't just about you need to try and finish this race it was going far beyond that to say you're not going to utter a single complaint a single word that's negative for eight days on what the discovery channel has termed the toughest foot race on earth and you're going to inspire other people to finish so which was so far removed from where I'd been in the previous race that that was the challenge I was trying to set myself to 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 really push limits and boundaries and it was that it was it was sitting on the flight out afterwards yet not necessarily having a, a physical medal or anything like that but I still had that dirty half torn piece of paper that I kept with me the whole time and to be able to look down at each of those things and say I achieved that um, and that was that was a, a real defining moment or a pivotal moment in terms of my journey, in terms of improving mindset and, and headspace. And it went from there, really. Um, I did the, the Marathon de Salve again, uh, this time down in Peru. So another 250K self-supported. You carry everything on your back. And they only give you water for, for six days, everything else you're carrying with you, and you're running through sand. So you can imagine, I won't get into all the details, but um, you can imagine what that's, um, what that's like. And then the, the most recent one, which was a little while back now, um, which was the 137 kilometer down across the Hatta uh, mountain range in Oman, the borders between UAE and Oman. And that was, that was, a, that was a whole different ball game. The 250 across the Sahara sounds crazy, but you break that down into 30 to 40K a day. Apart from on the fourth day, we did 92 kilometers, something like that, which was pretty intense on, on the fourth day of running. Because um, you basically sleep on the floor for five days at that point, so you can imagine like there's no showers, there's no nothing. It's, it's in a good way. Yeah, it's not it's not the best. Um, but the one in down in Oman was a completely different ball game. That was uh, uh, it was it was single single leg, so 137k straight through, and the combined elevation of that race was 8,000 meters. Um, to put that into context, you know Everest is 8,800, so it, that was a, a different ball game. How long did that take? 42 hours straight, without sleep without sleep I was awake for 56 hours so yeah that was a um, different ball game what is it like to be awake for that long with physical exertion you hallucinate you you start to have out of body experiences and it's not just um, I know that sounds um, dramatic but that's that's literally what happens so like during the second night we started at 7pm so you run through the night you start to feel a little bit like all over the place as the sun's coming up because you're still going then you go through all the heat of the day in the mountains then you go through sunset again when your body is starting to tell itself it needs to sleep because of your circadian rhythm, as you well know. Um, and then you, you're still going. And then you're going through that next night. Now your body's like, hold on a second, we've been through two of these nights and you're still not in bed. <laughs> What's going Something's on? Happened to you, Something's yeah. happening. Um, so they start, you know, your body starts to do certain things to, to try and get you to stop. You have all the logical conversations with yourself around why it's okay to stop and why you should stop and that pain is actually or you don't know what that could be that could be something really bad all this negative self-talk all of the reasons logical reasons as why you should stop um, and then you start to hallucinate and that's a really interesting space so the second night from around about um, I'd say midnight to about 4am I went, only went through one checkpoint and I was completely on my own because they'd had 
God, I think it was 50 to 60% of the race had dropped out by that point. Um, it was the first time they'd ever run that race. And I don't think anybody realized how horrific it was going to be. Um, uh, National Geographic did a, a, a whole documentary on, on the race. Um, it's only been run once at that length. So they did it one more time two years later, but but uh, that's it. Um, it's 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 the most ridiculous thing. Like we didn't realize, right? I mean, we're talking... The, the distance is almost irrelevant, the, the 137K, because people can only conceptualize that on a road. And that sounds pretty crazy. It's 137 kilometers on a road. It sounds pretty ridiculous. But when you put in to context of 8,000 meters of elevation, that means you're talking 1.2 kilometer down gorges. So you get to the edge of a gorge, you've got to go two kilometers as a crow flies, but you've got to go 1.2 kilometers down into this gorge and 1.2 kilometers back up. You go for 5K, you hit another one. So you're talking, it takes you six hours to go the space of six kilometers sometimes, or even longer. uh, We were clipped in with carabiners climbing up cliff faces as part of this race um, it, it, it was the most ridiculous thing like we got the, the 120k mark there was a checkpoint that I came into blown to pieces like you know, hallucinating through the night um, you know, eye, eyes gone legs gone no, just in, in, in bits and that was 100 so that was 120 kilometers the next three kilometers from 120k was straight vertical 1.2 kilometers straight up that we were scrambling poles had to go away um, and we were scrambling with like literally hands like climbing like scrambling up a, a cliff face and we were we, I mean I'd been awake I don't, I don't know why I say we because I was on my own <laughs> but um, um, <laughs> me and the hallucinations yeah, in my head had been me, awake for ages it was just next level and um, you know it was uh, it, it was scary as hell because you know during the day it was 32, 34 which living in the Middle East that's, that's okay you can we trained for that but it was at night um, winds like howling and it was between 6 and 8 degrees so the, the, the difference, you know, you, you, you know what it's like, you just start to get tired, you start to get cold. Now we're not used to the cold in the Middle East either. So now you're on a cliff face, it's blowing, it's pitch black, it's three in the morning, you're hallucinating, you're trying to scramble, you've got 120 kilometers in your legs, um, and you, you, I mean, you barely know what day it is, so you just keep trying to move. So that was, um, I suppose that was the culmination of my personal journey of that first race in, in Wales and Abergavenny, where I just fell to pieces on an 80k wasn't flat it was the Brecon Beacons but it was pretty sedentary walk in the park compared to this afternoon stroll then you end up with that thing and it was just like no finishing it was was just about survival and it was um, it was it was yeah it was an interesting place you spoke about the logical rational reasons to stop Mm. that your brain throws up and I'm fascinated by those because as someone who's never done an endurance race like that yeah um, but exercises a lot everybody knows what it feels like to hear that voice, oh, yeah. that's a uh-huh. that's a twinge. That's that's where you injured yourself three years ago. That mm. might be coming back. Mm. What do you? What is going through your head? How do you deal with that negative self-talk and that doubt? Look, it's a really good question, and um, one thing I really want to drive home for listeners to take away from this is that everybody experiences that negative self-talk. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're David Goggins, whether you know, it doesn't matter who you are, and and this is the. This is where a lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people think that that person, whoever it might be, is must be made of something else because there's no way that they have the same narrative internally as, as I do. And it's the same narrative. Sometimes I'm on a, a 10 or 15K run and sometimes you just feel like shit and you, and you want to stop. 
it's exactly the same narrative. I know this is hard to understand, but it's exactly <laughs> the same narrative as when you're there at, at, at 120 kilometers into a race. It's, I want to stop. These are the reasons why. That all makes sense. It's okay. All of these things. So all of that will happen. And, and you know, the listeners can experience that on a 10K run or, or it can be 120K, but it's just the same narrative. And it's understanding that it's okay to have that negative self-talk. Accept it. Don't, don't think that you're a lesser person because something in the back of your mind is telling you that you should stop when you're uncomfortable. At the end of the day, our brain is, is programmed to protect us. That's what it does throughout time. It protects us. So when you're putting your body through excessive strain, your brain's job is to stop you from doing it. Your brain's job is not to push you harder. Your brain's job is to keep you within inside your comfort zone. In very inventive ways. In very inventive ways. It's a crafty bugger. <laughs> so you've got, you've got to accept the fact that that's going to happen. Um, and and it's, it's accepting that narrative and then, and then allowing, um, allowing yourself to, not allowing yourself, bringing different tools into play to, to get through that and get past that. First thing is acceptance of that narrative and just being like, cool, I, I hear you. I'm not going to listen to you. But I hear you. It's okay. And then it's also, you know, there's there's all sorts of tricks that you can like. You start going Jedi mind tricks on yourself, and you start thinking, right? Well, you know, there's there's internal motivation, there's external motivation. Um, external motivation can be, okay, but when I get to the end of this race and I'm sat down with my support crew, you know, my wife, my girlfriend, my coach, whoever it might be, external motivation is like, what, what conversation do you want to be having with them? Oh, these are all the 15 reasons why I dropped out of this race and I didn't feel so good. So that, there's your external motivation right there. If you can visualize that, then straight away you're going to be like, no, I'm not having that conversation. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm not having that conversation. That's the external side of it, right? The internal side of it, and there's always a, a the ratio can, can change depending on a number of things, but the internal side of it has got to be like, why am I actually doing this? If you're going to put yourself through a very difficult situation, you need to know why beforehand. And the reason being is because it's inevitably going to get very difficult at some point. And if you don't have a reason why you're doing it that's valid, then what are you gonna do? You're gonna stop, right? You're gonna pull out of it. Because you're like, why am I even here? I don't understand why I'm here. In the same way, uh, uh, um, maybe an understandable example of this, you sign up for your first marathon. It scares the shit out of you. You wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you know exactly why you're waking up at five o'clock in the morning. If you hadn't signed up for the marathon, and I said, wake up, at five. I mean, you probably do that anyway, but if I said, if you weren't a, an athlete, and you said, right, wake up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and go for a run. Cool, okay, I'm motivated. Day three, what are you doing? Wake up at 5 a.m., you're like, what the hell am I doing? You're like, fuck it, I'm not doing that. There's no reason to do it. But if you signed up for a marathon, and you're actually a bit worried about completing it, and you've got sponsorship, and you've got all these things, you now have both internal and external motivation for, for getting through that. So. It's understanding that, that narrative internally and playing those, those Jedi mind tricks on yourself to get you through, to, to complete the run or to get up in the morning or whatever it is that, that's causing you that pain at the time. What was the transformation that you saw in yourself pre-endurance time and post-endurance time as a day-to-day? -day? Um, not feeling sorry for myself about anything. Um, so not feeling that, let's say you're in a negative situation, let's relate it to business or to life. Break up with a in a relationship, whether it be a that, whether it be a work situation. Not feeling sorry for myself in terms of this is happening to me. The conversation with myself is this is happening, and then how am I dealing with it? Not this is happening to me. So, for example, if we put it into a business situation, if we lose a contract for for whatever reason, it's objectively looking at it and understanding why. If somebody does wrong by you, 
you can sit back and say, okay, well, you, you can take that victim's mindset of saying, right, why are all these things happening to me? Woe betide me. And, and you can sit in that little pool of self-pity for as long as you like. That's not going to get you anywhere. Or you can understand that this is what's happening. How do I deal with it? 2020 is a prime example. We've, as we've already said, it's a suboptimal year, as you very well put. Um, <laughs> As we look at that, there's a lot of people, and, and, and I'm very conscious that everyone's going through a different experience with this, right? For some people, it's devastating. For other people, it's, it's moving in their direction. And there's a whole range in between. So certainly not being flippant to that fact at all, but also understanding that there is a, there is a way of dealing with this from a mindset perspective that will either benefit you or will not help you in any which way. And that's understanding that it's happening and the dynamics have changed, so therefore it's just how you react to it. If it's a negative, if, if it's affecting, affecting you and your, whatever your scenario is negatively, it just is what it is. And it's now understanding, okay, well, if this is the new set of scenarios I have to deal with, how am I navigating it? Or you sit at home and you're like, this isn't my fault, look at the world, uh, I'm, reading, I'm reading the news every day and uh, the whole world's melting and I can't possibly find a, a single positive story in this and I can't positively possibly um, achieve any of my goals or I can't think of new goals to set. And, and, you know, we, I'm sure we all know people that are, that are sitting in that space and just saying that none of this is my fault, therefore I can't do anything about it. And, th- and that's the key difference, it's the mindset of like, is it, is it your fault or is it your responsibility? Like it's not your fault that the world is melting down, but it is your responsibility to do something about it, whether that be for you personally, whether that be through for your business, whether that be through for your family, whatever it is. Like that's your responsibility, right? Um, and I suppose that's the mindset shift of going back to a run. Everything, you know, all hell's breaking loose. You know, your, your knee's gone. You've your water's run out. Like, well, it's just a different set of scenarios, and you can't constantly play the victim's mindset of this is happening to me therefore I give up it's just a different set of scenarios that you've got to approach and that endurance experience has then transitioned across for you into everyday life yeah massively massively so same with with you know whether it be work whether it be personal relationships all of these things you just approach it that that this is a, a a changing set of scenarios if it's a mistake that you've made own the mistake you know, none of us are perfect, whether it be business, whether it be fitness, whether it be personal, we've all got our flaws. So own any mistakes that you make, but just try and make a positive impact wherever you can for yourself and for, you know, for the scenario that you're trying to affect, whether that be business or personal. I was reading the Almanac of Naval Ravikant again okay. the other day, and in that he says, you are born, a set of stimulus occurs, and then you die. Okay. How you choose to respond is completely up to you. Perfect. Perfect. And it's so simple. Like, I wish I'd said that rather than the last 15 minutes of conversation. No, that one was, that was much more <laughs> insightful. Right? That's one of the problems that I have. I'm unsure how I feel about this pithy aphorism maxim world. Hmm. I like the fact that you can deliver an entire concept. And maybe everyone that's listening, when they think about you're born, you receive hmm. some stimulus and you pass away, how hmm. you choose to respond to you, maybe that will be what they take and think, ah, that tells me all about the lessons yeah. that Tom gave me. Hmm. In that element, I like it. Hmm. In another element, it can become quite a sort of masturbatory, um, showy game hmm. of who can cite, summarize stuff cite the most sort <laughs> yeah. of cerebral cool quote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They're important though. I think so. I think, it, yeah. I think that there must be little mantras that we keep telling ourselves. Yeah. And that's something that I asked your good buddy Marcus Smith yeah. earlier on today. Is there anything that you keep in your mind as you're going through particularly painful sections of these events is there something you go back to a little mantra um 
To be honest, it's in, in terms of terminology, it's not, it's not one single mantra. It's just understanding that the, the concept that was very well put by yourself just then in terms of, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to live with regret at the end of the day. Um, and that's what it, that's what it comes down to. It's like, you know, forgive yourself for your flaws. Um, but if it's coming down, if you're talking specifically about a race, it's just understanding why you're there. It's just understanding that, um, that you don't want to be looking back on this and that you failed. And that drives me in business. That drives me in, in, in everything. Um, and that's an approach to life. You, as you've just suggested there, have got a lot of irons in the fire mm. and extreme endurance events. You've also, is it 46th fastest growing com- company like in the, like unbelievably quick growing company, yeah. which has got multiple offices all across this area of the world mm. and a family life. And then also just trying to exist as a human. Yeah. How do you balance all of those things? I, and a lot of the people that are listening mm. will think like, I couldn't do one of those things full time <laughs> and somehow yeah. this guy is have you got the cheat code to fit thirty six hours into a day? <laughs> I wish like, I did, mate. You know, is there is there a doppelganger that you've got like a secret <laughs> identical twin that you're not telling us about? Yeah. Look it's um it, it's a number of things, mate. I mean look it, it's 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 certainly putting the hours in. Um, you know, over the years it's, they say you gotta you gotta choose your pain, right? In terms of what do you want out of life? Um Anything that you choose, any direction you choose to go in uh, comes with um, you know, pros and cons in terms of... We good with the... All good, yeah. man. Um, so in terms of direction you want to go in with life, right? If you choose to set a goal, that comes with... that uh, comes along with um, different types of pain. So what can that look like if we're, if we're talking in this context? I've missed uh, you know, so many social engagements. I've let friendships sort of um, fizzle out. Uh, I, I know far less people than I, than I used to um, but I'm okay with that as well because I'm very focused in terms of where I'm going and, and what I want to achieve out of life and what I'm trying to get to so it just comes down to prioritizing a lot, a lot of things you know it's, it's trying to be as organized as possible but like I'm certainly not the most organized person people probably think I've got an agenda for everything I don't um, and, and it's, it's funny like I have conversations with people and people think that I must have everything like covered and, and crossed and T's crossed and, 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 and I's dotted and, and the truth is I don't mate um, but I do put the hours in I do work through the weekends and I do have a, a I suppose an outlook on life as we touched on earlier when I when we first arrived and we were talking about this and it's it's understanding that, that all of it just fits into, into life. And it's easy to say when, when you own the company and, and you know, whether you're working or whether you're not working, it's all kind of the same thing. It's just, I have a goal with the business and, and I want to get there and that doesn't fit into a nine to five. Sometimes I'm sat at one o'clock in the morning writing ideas down and sometimes I'm off running for three hours in a day. You know, it's, it just depends what's on that day. The agenda evolves. Um, Do you pity people who haven't found this level of passion in their life? P- pity would be the wrong, the wrong term. I do, um, I do feel that even like close friends, I feel that there's, there's a lot of opportunity for them to grow into that space. You know, I think it's really important that people find their passions and I've been lucky to find it in, in a number of different ways. You know, my personal relationship with my wife, um, my business and, and running and I absolutely love all of those things and, and to be able to explore all of them to you know, to the extremes to go from meeting someone to getting married from um, from running as for a bit of fun to exploring you know 
places in the Sahara Desert that very few people will ever visit to being able to you know, have the opportunity to grow a business like this. And it's, um, I, I know that I'm very fortunate, but I know it's also because I've focused on these things and none of these things have just happened. It's been a conscious focus and a constant effort to try and, to try and drive that. And, that. and that comes, as I said, going back to the, the choose your pain thing. So if you're, if you're going to be um, really focused on something, and one way to explain it is that look, you, can't, you can't be half in on, on everything because that just results in, in average, right? So if people have this concept of a balanced life, and if you try and remain balanced with all of these things, what actually happens is you, you hit a median level across all of them. If you think of them on a, on a let's say, a, a table chart, you only hit median level on everything. So my focus and my kind of concept, and this, this isn't new, but it's certainly something I followed for a long time, is this constant level of imbalance, so micro imbalance for macro balance. So if you look at my life across the board, I'm very happy with a relationship, with a business, and I enjoy my passions and enjoy my friends. Um, but at a certain time, I'm completely imbalanced. So if I'm gearing up for a long race, you won't get a hold of me because I'm either running or I'm working. If there's a huge thing going on at work and when you're opening a new office or we're moving a country or something, something that's happening, I'm all in on that and I, you know, I won't be seen so much around the running track. But then, and then sometimes, you know, if I'm getting married or something, right, <laughs> as you do, you're all in on that. And then, you know, so it's, it's, it's focusing on whatever the goal is in a certain time frame, going all in in that space to try and be the best version of yourself in that space. So, like with with running, you can only get to being having the capacity to run for forty odd hours and you know run ultramarathons if you're purely focused on that. But the thing that I see is that the community I spend time with, and I'm not talking the fight community, but let's say when we go to those races, the only people there are like absolute uber running geeks, right? They're they're all in; it's their entire life. But I'll step into that scenario and then I'll step out of it, and then I'll go into the business space where there's business owners and, 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 and business leaders, that are, that's all they do for like 90% of their life. And they really struggle with any form of fitness. They really struggle with, with balancing anything. And then there's, you know, it's, that's easier to quantify than their personal relationship. But you can, see, you can see that. What I try and do is find the time and dedicate the time to be the best I can in this space, but then pull back from it. I can't, be, I can't have the capacity to run an ultramarathon all year unless that's all I did. So I, pull, I go in and I go out. And that's how I try and achieve as much as I can in a certain space, pull back from it, focus on a different space, and then maybe go back to that a few months later. So macro, balance, but micro, very much imbalanced. Is that done in advance? Do you look at your year? Is, this very, is it a very structured thing? You can't just decide to run an ultramarathon tomorrow, but similarly, there's a lot of inputs that we don't have control over. Mm. The new catastrophe that inevitably yep. occurs at work, the injury <laughs> that throws your yeah. training schedule out, the argument you have with your missus, etc., yep. etc. What is the process that you go through to kind of set that out? Because it sounds fantastic. Mm. And everyone that's listening should have listened to the episode I did with Greg McEwen on essentialism. Mm -hmm. Focus on the vital few, not the trivial many. Where mm. is the single highest point of contribution that you can have in your life? and go for that hmm. Naval Ravikant uh, become the best in the world at what you do continue to redefine what you do until it's true okay um, and all of these different things take yeah. us to the same place which yeah. is deep focused work single task focus yeah. multitasking is bullshit you can't do multiple things mm -hmm. at once and even if you try to spread that out really across month periods yeah. you can't open the new office whilst you train for the ultra marathon it's just yeah. not going to happen yeah but implementing that 
actually mm. taking it from it being a concept that everybody can really understand cerebrally yeah. and getting it into their life. Mm. Is this a pre-commitment? Are you looking at quarters and thinking, right, okay, I have this event coming up, I have this office opening coming yeah. up, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to allow and notice the discomfort from knowing that my fitness is dropping off yeah. or from knowing that I'm going to have to miss some emails or knowing that me and my wife are maybe going to have a more strained relationship mm-hmm. because of this focus elsewhere. Is yeah. that is that something that you have to plan in advance? Yeah, look, really good question. I mean, it's it's something that I that I do plan. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that there's a that anything that's, that's written down and structured. No, there's not. But it's there. There are certain um, pillars. Going back to you know, your points there. A race, the race date is the race date, right? If you want to run that race and you've signed up for it in six months, then that dictates a lot of the training program already. Um, but also you can choose different races to, to do throughout the year based on what else is going on in life. So there's, there's, there's a focus in terms of what does the year look like? When is a good time for us to be, well, when is a good time for me to be training? When is a good time to be, to be racing? Um, what's going on in, in, in business and have that rough schedule to say, right, these are the things. And so, but sometimes it'll go wrong. But you have to have that, that approximate structure. But then sometimes I'll have to bail on a race four weeks before the, the race, even if I've done three months of training for it, because I realize that right now the priority is something going on in business. We might have won a big account or lost a big account or you know, whatever whatever happens. You know, it's, it's chaos, controlled chaos every day. So um, with, with that side of things, like that has to take priority. I don't put myself and my running over business because I'm beholden to 100 people at the agency. Like my job is to look after them. So if I'm being selfish and going off and doing ultras, that can't be at their detriment. Um, so that's that's always a bit of a challenge. Uh, my wife is amazing, so she always you know, she she gives me the, the the freedom and the space to do as I want to when it comes to all that side of things. Um, but but yeah, sometimes you just have to pull the plug and, and refocus. So it's always just this constant reprioritizing of what's in front of you. But it should be built on a, on a, some sort of a structure, even if it's just in your head. Because if you don't have any goals, how are you going to achieve anything? Like I said, it's. In business, we sit down at the start of the year and we structure, or at the end of the previous year, we structure, this is what we want to do next year. Financial plans, um, goal setting, right, we want to open a new territory, whatever that might be. And that's a very structured process because that's what's needed. That then gets um, assimilated through the business, senior management buy into that. This is what each of them need to do in order to achieve that wider goal. So that's all very, very structured. There's an element that you should take from that understanding into your personal life to say, okay, if I want to whatever it is if I want to run a marathon this year if I want to do X, Y or Z lose 50 pounds whatever it is get a partner yeah start there, there we go if you want to, if you want to get a partner for example and, and you might have been meeting the wrong people you're probably going to the wrong places so you know, how these things don't just happen you know, business doesn't just build itself a marathon doesn't run itself and you know, finding a partner sometimes you can be lucky but quite often you've actually got to start to think about it especially as we get a little bit older we're not meeting the hundreds of people that we used to because we're not going out as much you have to be a little bit more considerate of being like okay well if I want to meet the right people where am I going to put myself into the situations of hopefully meeting those people so everything needs to be thought through to an extent and then life happens right so then you've got to roll with the punches sometimes sometimes that serendipity and it all works out and it's amazing and you're like wow I could never have scripted it and other times the shit hits the fan and you've got to deal with a new set of scenarios as we discussed earlier but at least have some sort of structure because if you don't what are you doing just you're just bouncing off the walls you know what I've just thought of there which would be a really cool thing to do and I'm going to maybe suggest to some of my buddies that we might do it this year would be to have an AGM on your life 
It's great at the, at the end of the year, yeah, and do it, you know, around about Christmas time yeah. when everyone's back home. What and have say, you achieved? Yeah, yeah, how was your year, man? What yeah. went well? You know, present to the board. Like yeah. the floor is yours, Tom. Like, yeah. You know, step up and tell us what did you, what did well, what did badly, what do you wish that you could have improved on? Yeah, and what are your goals for next year? What do we all want to achieve next year? How can we help? How can oh. You want to do that ultra thing? Well, actually, I happen to have two complete psychopaths in <laughs> Dubai that I'm buddies with yeah. who can tell you about the best training plan or this yeah. thing. Oh, you want to start a, a creative agency? Yeah. Happen to have an amazing videographer, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. I think that would be a really cool thing to do. And one of the issues that I have, uh, and many people may do as well, those of us that like being self-sufficient mm. often get stuck in ruts more than I think people who are pulled out by other stimulus so yeah. the advantage of having the AGM is that you will get that different input we mm. all know what we think it's very rare that I actually have a new thought I think mm. the neuroscience suggests that 90% of the thoughts that you had today are the same as you had yesterday Okay, which actually means that existing in your mind is a lot like being trapped by the most boring repetitive captor in history Yeah, um, and Thinking about that makes you realize that learning is a very slow process. Mm. 10% of the thoughts that you have mm. are, the, are the different ones from yesterday. Yeah. Compound that over a year. It's like, I don't actually spend that much yeah. time thinking of new stuff. Wow. It's still the same traumas that I had from when I was a, in school. It's still yeah. the same fears that I used to have from yeah. when I was at uni and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that the influence of people like that could be a real... But I think it would be really powerful. And, and no, that's an interesting point about the... Uh, about the the concepts and the thoughts being so similar, I think that's why it's so important to, to read, to listen to podcasts, to to start to expand your, um, I suppose, level of uh, content consumption that pulls you in those different ways. Because you're right, if you're self-sufficient mentally and with, you, know, you set your life up to be like, I'm cool as I am, I've got everything I need, etc., etc., you're not going to get pulled in all of those different directions and all the different stimulus is going to affect you so much. So, as you said, you can get stuck in a rut. And if you're constantly thinking about trying to solve every problem yourself, you're only going to get so far with that, right? We all need support. We all need help. Um, and to succeed, it's always a group effort. And no matter who it is, no matter how how single-focused they are, no matter how, that, how much they seem like they've done everything themselves, it's always a team effort because they've had support from someone along the way. And I think going back to your point about the AGM, I actually used to, to do something with, with Marcus another friend, and another friend of mine a few years ago when we were all kind of coming up. And we'd have monthly sessions where each of us, each, um, each time it was another person's focus. So let's say uh, we meet on Wednesday. This is, this is your, your, uh, your meeting, basically. You would send out a brief to us. It was all written up. We had documentation for it. We would read it. What's the scenario? What's the problem you're facing? What are your challenges? And we would then think about it. And when we come to the meeting, we discuss it. And we're all prepped. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'd, we'd, we'd support. I can help with this. I can help with that. Um, so I think... Look, for listeners as well, I mean, you know, you, I think you've always got to audit the people that you're spending most of your time with. We've all heard that you know, you're the fifth person and, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the people that you're spending the most time with are the most important group of people. And as we get as we get older, it starts to change, it starts to evolve. It has to be a conscious decision. You can't just be friends with someone because you're friends with them at school. If that, if that friendship is no longer serving you, then you can still obviously be acquaintances and be friends with them, but they shouldn't be in your in your circle of five people if you're not helping them grow and they're not helping you grow like you have that you have to be supporting each other and i think it's really important to to understand who those people that you have around you that you're learning from um 
how you're supporting them and how they're gonna support you. So if you create that environment with this AGM with the four or five or six people that you've got in your head. Annual growth meeting. There you go, annual growth meeting. There you go, perfect. We've nailed it, man. Yeah, but it's, it's a super important concept. If you've got those people in your life, you're lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are gonna be listening might be thinking, wow, I'm thinking about the people I hang out with every day. They're not really My AGM is going to be a board meeting of me and the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's super important. If you can't think of people to put on that board, let's say, in this concept that we're talking about now, then you need to start to think about that because that will have such a significant effect on your future that you need to start thinking about it and thinking, okay, I need to spend time with people like that that will make me think, that make me feel good about myself, that will challenge me, that will allow me to grow, that will push me to grow. That's going to be the, one of the single biggest that in your own mindset are going to be the biggest factors in determining your success. Where do you see people around you going wrong the most with motivation and with staying on track? Sure, victim mindset all the time. And it, 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 it blows my mind and it frustrates the shit out of me. It's people feeling sorry for themselves, thinking that you know, everything's happening to them, that life is happening to them. Um, not, and it's not happening because of them. They're not actually taking those steps forward. They're, they're, they're seeing what's happening. They're saying, hands up, I give up. This isn't my fault. I'm allowed to quit because of these things that have happened. And it's, it's that going back to that, is it your fault or is it your responsibility? It's going back to that thought process. And it's, that, that frustrates me at the end of the day. Um, it's people not taking ownership of whatever that problem is. And it's, it's very easy it's very easy to be negative, right? There's a, there's a, a thousand reasons as to why, and I wonder why you can't achieve what you want to achieve. There's, there's always so many reasons as to that you can point to, because um, we all, we all have stressful lives, right? We've all got, we all, none of us have enough time. None of us um, have all the resources that we want, whether that be financial or otherwise. Um, so it's, it's, it's that mindset of, of saying, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough whatever um, to achieve what I want to achieve. And because of all these scenarios and these things that I have no impact on, I therefore can't achieve X, Y, or Z. And that, to us, mate, it frustrates the shit out of me. That point of people realizing, leaning into that discomfort and actually thinking, what's the next step? Trying to get over the inertia of noticing that there's something wrong. Is it, for you, is your solution not looking to have regrets? Is it an aggression, like leaning into discomfort? Is it a... Uh, I'm grateful to be here, my, sort of mindful acceptance. You understand there's multiple different ways that people could get over that because, as you said already, everybody feels like that. Mm. Like, why is this occurring? That thought, no, it pops up. It's how you deal with that and then move forward. What's your sort of personal strategy with that? Look, I mean, it, for, for me, it's, it's just... Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, it, it goes back to that, that, that same thought process around around feeling sorry for yourself or not. It's just, um, you know, how do you get yourself out of that rut? How do you focus on moving forward? How do you keep, how do you keep challenging yourself? How do you keep wanting to grow? I mean, for me, um, there's a few, I mean, you touched on something before we started the podcast actually about um, around leadership, right? So 2020 has been a challenge for leadership in, in a number of different areas. Now, as you can imagine, without me going into all the details, if you're dealing with 100 people, that I look after in the agency that are remote working now. So that, that was one thing. Everyone come together, right? As of 48 hours time, no one's coming back to the office. Everyone's going remote. So the thing of the operational challenges because the clients don't give two shits whether you're in the office or whether you're at home. Like they want the work They've done. Got deliverables are deliverables, so, yeah, right? Deliverables are deliverable. And if you're late, you're late. So like, that, you know, that, that was a challenge anyway, just navigating that side of it. But you know, you're right. 
when I'm having clients phoning up and saying, oh, we've got to put this on hold because X, Y, or Z, or our funding's been pulled by the government, so you know, we've got to, got to stop this contract, and all this chaos on one side, but yet you've got to be a cheerleader to, to the entire team on, on the other side and be like, you know, we're in this together, and we know we're going to drive through them, we're going to run through walls together, and trying to get everyone motivated to really pull them together and really build the culture within the agency. Now, that's, that's a real challenge, and you know, at, at multiple times, whether it be that scenario of like you've got to lean into that uncomfort you have to lean into that 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 pain and that is how you grow that is what a leader does and so you can have these you can have this internal dialogue and this is often a, this is one that's really worked well for me is imagining what the ideal leader would do so don't put yourself in the situation at this point let's say okay x has happened you happen to be the leader of this scenario, whether it be your business, whether it be your team, whether it be, be you know, whatever your scenario is, you're the leader in this particular um, scenario. X has happened and it's, and it's, and it's bad. Now, you, you should look at that. This is how I do it. I look at it and be like, okay, let's remove myself from this, remove the emotion from it. I look at it and be like, if I was reading about this in a book, what would the ideal leader do? How would they behave? How would they act? How would they engage with their team? How would they engage with whatever it is that's the challenge? And I build that little framework. And sometimes this entire conversation can happen in my head in one minute before I, whilst I go quiet, figure it out and then, and then act. Or it can, you might have a bit more time. You might have a few days to understand what's happened and work out what you're going to do next. So it's, it's understanding, taking the emotion out of it, figuring out what that blueprint looks like, and then putting yourself back into it and saying, this is what I have to do. So it's all, you, like you create the blueprint of what you need to do next. You create your plan in your head, and then you say, but I'm the leader in this scenario, so I have to do these things. I have to be the one that stands up and puts my hand up and say, actually, this is a scenario. Um, it could be, I mean, we're talking about often when it's a particularly uncomfortable situation, you might not know how to deal with it. It could be something at, at work that, that's happened between two people. It can be um, a social situation within work but let's say you know, a worldwide social movement and you're like how do I engage with what's going on in the world and relate it to my team and be the figurehead for it and do I bring everyone together to discuss this or do we pretend like it's not happening how should we do it so again going back to I sit on my own I think about what would the ideal leader do here and then I try and do it and I try and emulate that so and that's mostly leaning into uncomfortable things so if you have that mindset that often will dictate, because you've already made the, the decision to yourself, I'm going to always try and do the, once I've come up with a plan, I'm the guy that's going to do it. So constantly doing that, you remove the choice of saying, oh, do I feel like this? Do I not feel like this? Because nine times out of 10, if it's worth doing, you don't feel like doing it. But you, you look back on it and you think, shit, I'm really glad I did that. And someone else is there going, that was a really good move. That was the decision to make. That yeah. was the decision to make. There's a few things we've been through recently that, time with this the third party perspective as it's called which is a mental model that mm. doesn't take your side or the opposite side it mm. imagines you as a third person okay. uh, there's a famous Joe Rogan video for, on it called be the hero of your own story okay. he says imagine that your life is a movie and mm. the movie starts now mm. and the hero's downtrodden and overweight and depressed and yeah. like doesn't have a partner and is lonely like what would the hero do mm. like you're that guy. Do that now. Yeah. You can be that hero right now. Yeah, and then uh, James Clear talks about identity-based change. So the way that James gets people to change their habits, especially difficult and ingrained ones, is he gets you to ask, what would the person I want to be 
do in this situation. So rather than being a smoker that's trying to quit smoking, it's, I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. What would not a smoker do right yeah. now? Not yeah. a smoker wouldn't yeah. have a cigarette. Yeah. So not a smoker Tom or not a smoker Chris wouldn't do it. Mm. Decision made. Yeah. It does help us to cut through. I've been fascinated this year thinking about just how much noise our brains create and that having these very, very simple heuristics, George McGill, my mm. good buddy who was on the show yesterday, said Elon Musk, every decision he makes, there's one rule, one heuristic that he follows, will this get the human race closer to Mars? Amazing. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, mm. one rule, does this improve the customer's experience? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. And when you run all of the noise, all of the, and you think these guys must have such a complex decision tree of what yeah. it is that they're doing, it's like, no, 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 no. The two, two of the most famous entrepreneur innovators on the planet are relying on a rule each to okay. guide everything that they do, business and personal life. And I'm trying to bring it back to that simplicity, and this goes back to the Maxim aphorist mm -hmm. stuff that we were talking about earlier on. Mm -hmm. Having a little mantra, having these small pithy quotes and, and concepts that you can distill down to rely on actually help to remind us that all of the, the chaos that's going yeah. on can actually be simplified down. Yeah, look, very much so. And it comes down, you know, what you said there about Elon Musk and, and, and Bezos is it's, that comes, that simplicity comes from a goal. And that goal is so well defined in both of them in terms of what they want to do, right? So if you have a, a goal, and let's take it, let's make it a little bit more, let's say, uh, conceptually understandable for for us that we're not going to Mars. We're not those guys, right? We're not going to Mars. But let's go. Let's use the marathon as an example again, right? So if you've set that goal of, of running a marathon or whatever the challenge is for yourself, every decision you make either takes you closer to that goal or further away. So once you define exactly what it is that goal is in your life, every decision falls within the framework of getting you closer or further away. So it doesn't surprise me. I, haven't, I hadn't heard that about, um, about Elon Musk, but it, that doesn't surprise me at all. And that's what, that's what goal setting is all about, right? Because if you have a clear goal, then everything else becomes so much more simple. Uh, with, with the ultras, someone would say, oh, do you want to go for a beer tonight? No. Very, very simple, very simple to make that because if I do that, it's getting me further away from my goal. And if you're super focused on where you want to go, and it goes back to the, the, the micro imbalance and the macro balance, at that time, if, if that decision gets you closer or further away, it's a very easy decision to make, isn't it? Mm. If, what, you've fully bought it if you've fully bought into it. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Good question. Um, focus on people. And what I mean by that is... That's used across so many different so many different ways. That the, the, any success we've had in the agency um, over the last few years is purely because of the people that we have in the business, but the focus on people within the community that we have. We have a, we have an outstanding internal team culture. It's, it's the thing that I'm most proud of, more than any other accolade of fastest growing and the clients we have or anything like that. It's the it's the culture we have in the business that there's there's no bullshit, there's no politics. There's no backstabbing. There's no. There's none of this, and we're operating in an, in, a, in an environment that's notorious for it. Agency life is notorious for all of the things that I just said, especially in this region. So we've created this environment where we have a very very low staff turnover, um, and we focus on we focus on people over profits. And that's not just a nice thing that is put up on the wall, but it's it's it really is the deciding factor of everything that we do. 
And there's a number of reasons around that. I'm personally not motivated about chasing money. It's not why I get out of bed in the morning. And, and it allows me to make decisions really easily with regards to, okay, that's going to cost us more money, but it's the right thing to do for the people. So we just do that time and time and time again. And 10 years later, you end up with a culture where everybody in the environment knows exactly what's, um, I suppose, what's championed and what's, uh, you know, what's celebrated and what's, you know, what's promoted within the business. And it's, it's not sales, it's not bringing in a big contract, it's not, it's not all of those financial drivers, although they're important because we're still a, you know, we're still a business and you know, that has to work for, for everybody to be able to come to work. But the focus is always, always about what people have done for each other. Like, I'll give you an example, we, used to, we do, I do a, a full agency meeting every Wednesday, so we've got everybody on the call, anywhere from 80 to 100 people on a, on a, wow. Zoom, on a Zoom call. And we start every single meeting with 10 minutes, we call the compliment circle. So everybody in the Zoom chat, uh, everyone in the Zoom chat writes down what they're grateful for and to whom they're grateful. So from a work context. So, oh, thanks so much for Jenny. She went over and above. What were you grateful for this week? Can you remember? What was I grateful for this week? Um, for me, yeah, to be honest, it's, 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 it's literally the management of the workload that we've got on right now. And we're in a fortunate space where we spent 10 years you know, building our, our digital credibility and 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 pushing the business into that space. COVID has, has accelerated digital. So you know, we're in a fortunate space that we're very busy right now um, because we're managing all it. It's changing dynamics, but we're, we're busy in that space. And I'm incredibly grateful for the amount of work that the team is dealing with because we've got people that are, that are burning themselves to the floor that my job is to facilitate that as much as I can, hire as many people as we can to try and depressurize. And we're a growing organism. We're not perfect. Like we make mistakes as a business, but the intent is always correct. We're always trying to do the best by our clients. We're always trying to do the best by our people internally. And because of that, we're given leeway internally. Our team will run through walls for us because they know that we're not trying to, we're not asking them to run through the wall because we want to make more money. We're saying that this is a scenario. How do we, do, how do we get through this together? And they're, and they're putting the hand up and like, well, I'll run through that wall. Oh, cool, okay. John, you take that one. John's running through that wall. And yeah. Bob's like, I'm going to run through that wall. And because we've got this, this, this culture internally, that's what's happening. Now, for me, that's great. Firstly, that's a, a successful business culture internally, and it's the right thing to do because it's the right thing from a human and empathetic perspective. But I don't want to build a business on, on people burning themselves and running through walls. That's, that's not what I want to do because then that defeats the purpose of my goal, which is running a, a human-focused, empathetic organization. So my focus is right, shit, okay, my, let's focus on recruitment. We need more people in. That person needs support. That person needs support. That account, the client's not paying for those extra two people, but we have to put them on it because these guys are getting killed here because you know, the, the client's that much more demanding. It's a government client. We can't really say no. We're stuck in a bit of an awkward place. Throw more resource at it because, yes, we'll lose money on that account, perhaps, but the people will be okay. And then over time, we'll work out how to bring it back into a profitable space. So we don't run the business from a spreadsheet. We run the business from looking at people and saying, okay, what do we need to do right by people whilst at the same time running a good organization? And that's allowed us over the last two years to, you know, to win those accolades of you know, fastest growing agencies and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. It's just, it's just focus on people. That's your going to Mars? That's my going to Mars. Yeah. I really like it. I think to hear in, especially this year, Mm. of all years a year where people have been made redundant left right and centre and had job and career challenges Mm. 
that focusing on people first has been anti-fragile is mm. a very reassuring thing to hear. Yeah, I mean, that served us so well whilst coronavirus like, just decimated everything, right? You know, we've got, it's, in terms of like, how people, people knew that the company had their back, and that helped them in many, many ways. We paid for professionals to come in and do uh, mental health workshops for no the team. Way. We were sending Deliveroo credit once a week to, <laughs> to everybody in the agency so that, um, so that everyone could get to Deliveroo to deliver their lunch and then everyone would get on Zoom and we'd all have team lunch together. So we, honestly, we, we, did, we did so many things to try and focus on, on bringing everyone together and, and making everyone understand that, no, the company's here for you. Like We as an agency, well, we'll get through this together. And, and that definitely helped. It definitely helped the team. And as things started to get better you know, economically with the business, you know, we were losing clients because of you know, major events. Expo got put on hold, for example. We are the social media agency for Expo. I had six people on that account full time. And then they sent us a letter saying, as of next week. Expo 2021 now. Yeah, but there you go. So you know, <laughs> we had a few things like that where sort of you know, revenues got hit. But you know, we didn't cut anybody's salary. We didn't let anybody go. We didn't do any of those things. And we said, right, we're going to pay for this. We're going to fund this as long as we can without affecting anybody in, in the organization because that's the right thing to do. And that's going to cost myself as a shareholder. Um, that's going to cost us. But it's the right thing to do. It'll allow, it'll, from a selfish perspective, it will let me sleep at night to know that I'm not basically borrowing from my team by cutting their salaries to then keep that money here for a rainy day. We said, right, if we need to put all of this back in to keep these guys safe, and that's what we're going to do. And the market, fortunately, started to come back a little bit earlier than it has for most because we're in the digital space. We picked up more work, and then as that happened, what did the team do? They start running through walls because they saw what we did Know? So it's not even just a. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's a good business decision, but it, it wasn't. That's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. that was just the payoff for doing the right thing from a human perspective, and that's what's you know, that's what's the most important, and that's what, why we're where we are today. We've you know we've hired forty people since January, um, and you know, that's because we've we've focused on on people, and they've run through walls. We win a, we win accounts because of that, and um, it's just I'm proud to be part of that team, not to run the company and own that company. It's I'm proud to be part of that group of people where I can walk in where everyone's high-fiving each other and you just think, shit, you know what? This is a good place to be. I've seen some companies that I think, you say, dictatorially try and achieve the same thing. Mm. So I've seen some companies during my experience where they have a autocratic forced level of socialization Mm. and people are walking along and they're always they've got to high five everybody when they make a sale and the whole thing stops and stuff like that and um, I always wonder it feels a little bit like America sorry to all of the Americans that are listening (laughs) Um, you know when someone's in a brand new relationship and all they do is post about their relationship. That's not just America, though. Yeah, but, but I'm so, so I'm getting onto America. Okay. Wait, Amer- I've, I haven't forgotten about you, Americans. Um, someone's in a brand new relationship, all of their Facebook photos. Then they get to normal level of Facebook photos. And then they start popping back up. And you think, I think there's something wrong. And I think that yeah. that is what they're holding on to. Sure. And when I hear the way that people from America, who are quite rightly proud of their country mm. it, it's a little bit like the lady doth protest too much it feels a bit sort of like I really like mm. all the time I mm. love my country I miss that and you think, yeah. well there's quite a lot of problems in your country yeah. um, but when I see these companies who operate in the same way yeah. 
it feels incredibly forced and realizing that the emperor isn't wearing any clothes happens so quickly for mm. people like one of the uh, interesting insights i learned the other day is why we have white as humans around our eyes and it's so that we can see where the other person's looking because gaze is such an important indicator of truthfulness interesting if you look at all of the other primates, you yeah. look at gorillas and chimps, yeah. Yeah. black eyes. Yeah, so you wouldn't be able to see where someone's looking and because truthfulness okay. is such an important part. Uh, we have 14 million sensory cells in our body mm -hmm. and 11 million of them are dedicated to sight. Interesting. Same again, massively, mm. massively skewed towards mm. what we're looking at. And my concern for companies like that and also for other ones who maybe don't have this, this uh, employee-centered focus, mm is that if it's not there, built into the source code, emergent, coming out of the day-to-day -day yeah. activity, people are so quick to pick up on hypocrisy. Yeah. And it's a dangerous situation to be in. It is, and I, I listened to your podcast the other day about, um, about WeWork as, as well. Wow. Yeah, that Whoa. was really interesting. <laughs> and that's, I suppose, that, if you're talking about a, a spectrum, that's the, you know, the furthest end of the scale where it is forced, right? And it was forced, and it very was, much. You know, so. There was a lot yeah. of there's a lot of um, yeah, a lot of hypocrisy, as you say. There was a lot of um, uh, just talking about saving the planet while we've got three private jets there and we go. Yeah. ten yeah. holiday homes. Yeah. yeah, exactly that sort of thing, right? And it's it, it is that. But if we break it back down into into a more granular level, and we talk about okay, well, the cultures inside organisations, and you know, his free lunch is going to going to do the do the thing. Is it like? Is it, um, is it all the perks? Is it the, you know, whatever, you go into Facebook, oh, wow, you can, you've got a whole kitchen here, you can make your food. Is it all those things? No, it's not. People want to feel safe. That's it. Like, if they feel safe when they come into work, that they're not going to be judged, they're not going to be um, ostracized for, for whatever reason, they're not going to be fired because politically it was the right thing to do. Um, if they feel safe coming to work, they can really bring themselves to work as humans. And that can be anything that goes with that so we focus on the fact that this is something that that, that i speak to every single person in, in an interview about i say look if you you've, you're choosing to come and work here and we really respect that because you're choosing to invest your time which is the most important element that any of us have you're choosing to invest your time in the agency you're choosing to invest your career in this organization and we we're firstly very grateful for that but we understand that this is a two-way relationship Yes, you're getting paid a salary to do that, but you're investing a huge amount of who you are. And I know how busy the agency is, so I know what you're going to be investing in this. And that comes from a new joiner or existing. It's the same dialogue, same conversation. So therefore, as an agency, we have a responsibility not just to say, cool, well, at 6 p.m., us, you're not our responsibility anymore. You go and you keep your personal life out of this because that's, that's your life. And we're only interested in the hours that we pay you for. That's... That's not how we operate, but that's how a lot of businesses operate. You should be able to come in and start crying at work because something's happened at home. Like you have to be human in the workplace. And if, if, you, if you create the environment where someone can really bring their humanity into the workplace and say, I'm having a really shit day because of A, B, C, or D. And when we're dealing with the size of workforce that we have, we have parents dying. We have um, scenarios of someone getting uh, terminally ill. We have, um, whether that be the workforce or their, 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 their sister, their brother, you know, there's this things going on all the time. And we had a core focus from, from early on of saying, right, well, we need to look after them in, in, in their entirety. So we've like, we've gone to pick somebody up from an office because we've been told something has happened in their family before they've been told. 
And we've had to pick them up from a client meeting with a plane ticket and be like, you need to go home and take them to the airport, get them on a plane. Like we have to look after people to that level because at the end of the day, how can, how can we ask so much of people in the workspace when I know that they're working on weekends, I know that they'll be working in the evening for that pitch tomorrow morning, all of those things. So as a company, we've made the decision that we will look after the entirety of that person, whether that be sometimes financially giving them, like something's gone on at home, will that help? Cool, that'll help. And, and that's not something we talk about across the business and from one person to the other person, they don't know that we've done it. It's not something that we celebrate, but it's something we do on an individual level often because we'll have someone in the office crying their eyes out because of A, B, C, and D. And if, if myself or as a, as a company, we have the opportunity to fix that problem by telling that person that, what do you mean you're, you're waiting for a week to get on the plane because of X, Y, and Z? Like, absolutely no. Workload off. Money, there you go. Go. <laughs> You know, we've had scenarios where someone's not wanted to say that they're waiting for their salary to come through in a week's time to get on a plane to go and see their sick father. I was just like, what? They were new. They didn't know that they could actually ask for these things. And I was like, there's a plane ticket. You're not even taking it out of your salary. Off you go. Come back when, you know, when you're okay. Like, One thing that I've thought about a lot recently, and this ties into it, is how athletes and sports people have a lot of mental models that we probably should port across into real life and think about what every group sport is called. It's mm. a team. Yeah. What does a team do? Mm. Team works together to achieve the goals. Yeah. I think team in a business context, a lot of the time, is just a title. Yeah. I've been a part of teams, and I'm sure you have as well, where no one cares. Yeah. You turn up. How many people know that I can't be myself at work? I can't say what I mean to say. Yeah. And the team isn't working together. You're pulling in that direction, I'm pulling in this one, yeah. and John's pulling that way, and we're getting nowhere. Everyone's pretending to be robots, right? Because everyone's bringing their work selves to work. So that's, there's a problem there already. And like you said, there's, you know, there's high-performing teams, and there's certain indicators of high-performing teams that are similar across all. So on one of the Wednesday calls that I do, I, I talk through different things that I might have picked up during the week that I think will help the, help the organization, help the team. And one of them the other day was actually the All Blacks. So it's the tenets of the, uh, of the All Blacks rugby team. What are they? Um, I can't remember all of them, um, but one that certainly stands out uh, is no dickheads. Fine. And that's like, the actual words. What an, what an unbelievable rule to live life yeah. by. Yeah. And they're literally like, it doesn't matter how good you are, if you're a dickhead, you're not on this team. So you can be the greatest rugby player that the world has ever seen. If you act like a dickhead, you're gone. The other one is sweep the sheds. So sweep the sheds is doesn't matter who you are. It could be Richie McCaw in this case as the as the captain of the team. You should still be the guy that's sweeping the changing rooms after a game. You should be able to do that, and you should do that at times. So it's about understanding that nobody's too big. Nobody's bigger than the team itself. Nobody's more important than the team itself. And myself included, I might own the business, but I'm there, sleeves rolled up with the team when it when it needs to. And that's what that's what you need to that's what you need to be able to do. So the way that we talk internally is we're somewhere between a family and a high-performing team. We do more on the family side than most companies would, but don't think that you can come, come into work day after day and not perform because you will be asked to leave. <laughs> and everyone knows that. You know, we've, we've, we've moved people out of the businesses. They're just, I, A, the only, th- the only thing we're ruthless on in the company, the only thing is culture. So we've had people that have come in, done a great job. I'm getting WhatsApp messages from the clients saying how happy they are with this new person that's running their account but they're being a dickhead internally. Three weeks later, they're gone. I phone the client, I'm sorry, I know they're really good at their job, I know you love them, blah, 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 but internally, they were gossiping, they were 
just niggling, just they're the sort of cancer that you need to pull out very quickly before it starts to poison the well. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing that we, that we focus on. To back that up, I remember reading an example about putting problem students in with groups of high performers and what the researchers were trying to look at was does one bad apple spoil the lot mm. or can an overwhelming number of high performers bring up the person who is lazy or unmotivated or mm. negative or transactional uh, and it turned out that it was one bad apple spoils a lot Amazing. fairly robustly across a number of different studies Amazing. they found if you put into a I think it was academic work in like creating a portfolio for some master's program yeah and um, you could put one underperforming student in with a group of five of the highest performing students mm. and all of the high performing students would start to downregulate. Um, so being how would you say being dictatorial with culture mm. and liberal with emotion yeah I think Good work, seems like a nice a nice idea my final question is what are you working on personally over the next year you've still got areas of yourself yeah. that you want to enhance and reduce what have you got sort of on the personal AGM for the next year? Yeah, good question. So there's a, a couple of different areas. So firstly, um, so you know, easy, easier area of that question to answer, uh, the fitness side. So you know, I'm, I'm focusing on running the fastest marathon that I can. So I'm focused on goals for that. So I, I changed all of my training from some of the longer ultra stuff to, to trying to run as a... I feel like a sprint to you now. Yeah. It's a very different way of training. It's a very different mindset. It's, it's What you're hoping to hit? Um, my my uh, my PB at the moment is three fourteen for the for the marathon, and I want to get a sub three. So I've got a bit of work to do. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. But it doesn't help that the bloody races get keep getting cancelled. Abu Dhabi got cancelled. Dubai got cancelled. So so we'll see. So that, like, when I get back to actually you know being lined up for a race, then then that's going to be the the goal. Um, outside of that, look, my focus is you know, I'm 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 fairly newly married, so it's uh, making sure that I'm balancing that side of things with everything that's going on with work because you know, we're, we just opened an office in Saudi we're you know, in the process of, um, uh, of opening in, in Egypt so that, that, that's sucking up a, a lot of my time so it's just trying to balance everything that I've got going on um, with you know, focusing on, on the work because I need to push that as far as I can right now it's one of those points where I have to go all in on it but not to the detriment whereas before I had girlfriends and stuff I was a lot more relaxed it's like yeah. okay let's push that it goes it goes yeah. yeah you know now I need to be bigger commitment now bigger commitment I've got to be more focused so just trying to be the best I can in that space and, and to be honest just constantly growing you know, from, from a leadership perspective every day is a new set of challenges every day I've never done X before as a company grows right you know you've never looked after 30 people before then you've never looked after 31 before then you've never worked after 32 so we're getting to the stage now where there's what I've noticed and obviously the business books say this but it's only when you really get to it that you really understand that when things get to a certain scale and size everything changes so the difference between like X and Y is not a huge it's just more hours of the same now all of a sudden my role completely changes so I'm now further out of my comfort zone than I was six months ago. and Exponentially. I'm, exponentially, and it keeps challenging that, right? So I'm not doing the stuff that I feel I was good at. So, you know, you start off doing whatever X is, mm. whatever your artistry is, and you build a business around it, and then you do more of it and more of it and more of it, and then you actually start to do less, less of it <laughs> because you start to bring people in, right? And then it gets to a point where you don't do any of it, and your job is completely different because you don't do any of these things anymore. 
you your your, your focus has to be completely is, is driving the strategy of the company forward, looking after people, making sure that resourcing we're set up, making sure that where are the problem points where where are things maybe falling between the gaps and as we're scaling so much like we grew 91% headcount last year so you, know, you can imagine it's you know it's a it's, different business it's it's a completely different organization and like i said we're not we're not perfect in, in in any which way we're trying to be the best that we can be and sometimes there's there's things that we do incredibly well and and you know we get that visibility for it which which is down to amazing people in the organization and other times we get it wrong and my job is to look across the business and try and pinpoint where we're going wrong or where we're going down a path that's wrong or where we've got the wrong people doing the wrong things. So my job now is mostly resourcing of just literally get not, not letting us put square pegs in round holes. I need the round pegs and the round holes. And, and that's the, if you get that right, then everything works well. As soon as you get high-performing people doing the wrong thing, they might, they're not high-performing people anymore. So you can end up losing really, ta- really good talent because you haven't focused on what they're actually doing day-to-day and would they be better over here. So it's a constant move because this person is on leave and then this person's sick and then this person joins. So it's constantly evolving. So being better at that um, is, is my core focus. So trying to consume whatever I can to, to just improve. A couple of insights there. The first one being you were talking about your relationship and I was thinking about the analogy with the team and don't let bad apples spoil the lot. Mm. Internally, especially when you're spending a lot of time with one person, all of the different dials and knobs of emotions and resentment and undealt with trauma that you have Mm. are kind of like different players or different team members. Mm -hmm. And what you don't necessarily want actually is to set the tone early on, early on in this marriage that you've got with some of those bad apples actually starting to yeah. you know plant and get some roots in there and then I've stopped it for a bit and then it yeah. comes back and it's much harder you know as we've spoken about use the word exponential yeah. that can grow into a real big problem so I think setting the tone in relationships early very positively mm. and doubling down on that front loading the lack of the lack of arguing yeah. I think or front loading the harmony is a way that you could look at doing that. I think it's a very, very smart way to run a relationship. Uh, And the second thing was you were talking about doing something new that I've never done before, which is Mm. imposter syndrome. Mm. Like feeling I am unprepared, unqualified, and inexperienced at all of the stuff that I have to do every day. Mm. I had Seth Godin on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he gave this wonderful example about imposter syndrome, and he said, when you feel imposter syndrome, say thank you. If you're doing something that you've never done before, you have every right to feel like an imposter. Mm. Feeling like an imposter is a sign that you're doing good work. Mm-hmm. It means that you are breaking new ground. It means that you are doing things, pushing the boundaries of what you have done before. So say thank you. And I was like... Yeah. Such a good way of looking at it, isn't it? I, I did a whole podcast with myself and my business partner on, on imposter syndrome. And it was one of the most downloaded uh, shows that we, that we ever did because everybody feels it. Every time you get a new job, every time you get a promotion... Any of these things, you always feel like oh, there's, surely there's someone more qualified than I am. Um, and no, I've gone through it multiple times. But now, I'm going through, like as I said, all these new challenges of you know where, we, where we're at with work. But I'm totally cool with that because the, the 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 freedom I give myself and the freedom I give my team is that it's okay not to be great at anything. Like any anyone in the on the management team can be like, I know that's within my remit because I look after X, but I haven't got a fucking clue about that side of things because <laughs> I know that they're really good over here. And nobody's good at everything, right? And you have to you have to give yourself you have to be easy enough on yourself to understand that if you're going to grow, you're, you're 
it, it's, it's growth for a reason. It's because you don't know how to do it. And it's, it's, it's understanding that. And I think he put it really, really well with, uh, with saying thank you because if you have that gratitude mindset as well, to know that, okay, well, I'm going into this space, I should be thankful that I've either put myself in it, so gratitude to yourself, or thank you to X person that believes in you enough to say that they feel that you can do that. So you should, yeah, you should be grateful for that. And that's how we all grow. I love it. Tom, man, yeah. today's been fantastic. Thank you for joining me. Mate, People want to check out your stuff. Where should they go? Um, at Tom Otten on Instagram would probably be the best one. Um, anything professional on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you know, I'm on there. And then, um, then yeah, uh, podcast, The Creator Sessions. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Thank you, yeah. mate. Cheers, mate. And we're done. Easy Perfect. as that.